Let's open our Bibles to the New Testament book of 1 Thessalonians. And we will do that, Lord willing, this week and one other time. And we will have completed our study through this letter of the New Testament. This letter that we're calling for the win. A letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to believers in Thessalonica. And he seemed so encouraged by how they were living and he uh, wrote to them to continue to do more and more Uh, not uh, necessarily you're not doing enough but he says take what you're doing and keep it up keep winning keep serving the Lord keep pursuing holiness Uh, keep honoring Christ in the way you live until he returns. Well, um, don't forget that this letter was written to young believers. These uh, Many of you have been uh, believers a lot longer uh, than this church had been in existence when Paul wrote this letter. They were young in their faith, but their faith had grown incredibly. Paul had had just a short time with them, but he speaks to them about doctrines and theological truths and he talks with them about their walk with Christ in a in a very honestly just a very impressive way of how they had taken to the Lord and taken to their faith and were growing in their walk with the Lord most recently when we looked at these verses in chapter 4 and chapter 5 we saw the apostle Paul speaking about the coming of the Lord the return of Christ and how those who die in Christ and those that are alive in Christ when he returns will be caught up together. The coming of the Lord. Last week we talked about the day of the Lord and that's a day of judgment and how we face that day knowing uh, that uh, we have already been covered by the blood of Jesus and how that gives us hope. We see that in these chapters that he calls us to pursue holiness And then in these last few verses of chapter 5, we see uh, a call to pursue corporate peace. And by that word corporate peace, I mean that he is speaking to the church and saying that as you relate to one another as believers, there's a way for you to be at peace with one another. To be at peace within the church, to be at peace within your relationships with one another. And there seems to be a great passion at the close of this letter that the witness and the testimony of believers in Thessalonica would be that Jesus had transformed their life and that it was affecting their life not just vertically with God but it was affecting their life horizontally with one another. And there was peace in their relationships. And today when we work through these verses I want you to see that a a major driver in these verses is that the church of God the church that Jesus Christ is head of would live and operate in peace in peace with one another and we're going to see the the way that this happens and what Paul does in these closing verses of chapter 5 is that he gives uh, a, a, a path a route uh, instruction on how uh, a church can have order and uh, 
uh, he really lays out some rules uh, some rules for the church and we're going to look at these verses uh, I don't know if you've thought much about how a, a church can have rules I mean, maybe that seems a little tight a little strict uh, if I stood before you today and said to you that the card on your chair has all the rules for how we operate here that that's not what those cards are for uh, those cards are for people to connect that are uh, guests here find out more information about the church but as I thought about these rules for church I actually came across a church in Atlanta that has printed their rules and I think you might find them as interesting as I found them and uh, it's in small print, so bear with me here. All right. so, the, so these rules printed on this church's webpage in Atlanta gives a, a list of do's and a list of don'ts. Listen to some of these rules for this church. Do cut off your cell phone prior to entering the sanctuary. Do share your Bible or your hymnal. Do greet fellow worshipers in Christian love. Do acknowledge your gratitude for any courteous act or expression. Do refrain from chatting, distracting, or note passing. Do bow your head and close your eyes during prayer. Do sit in an attitude of reverence during scripture reading and prayer. Do raise your finger to eye level to get the attention of an usher or an officer on duty. Do graciously follow the instructions of the church ushers. Can I get an amen from the ushers in the room? Do refrain from leaving the worship service before the benediction has been pronounced. Do leave church pews, the choir stand, and the church altar neat and orderly. Do make every effort possible to allow for guests to sit on your pew. Now, here's the list of the don'ts. Don't allow children to stand on the pews. Don't chew gum while on duty or while worshiping in the sanctuary. Don't distract others from the spirit of worshiping. Don't distract others from the spirit of worship by unnecessary walking. Don't make your... Don't make your own change from the offering plate. <laughs> Can I get two fives for this ten, please? <laughs> Don't walk, tiptoe, or move about during prayer, communion, baptism, scripture reading, or baby dedication. Don't stare at someone who is outwardly moved by the Holy Spirit. Don't partake of the communion elements except in an attitude of reverence. Don't take photographs during the worship service. Don't use the sanctuary except for worship or preparation for worship. Don't disrespect the sanctuary or allow children to play on the altar. And here's one last one. Don't wave currency in the air to signify the need for an usher or assistance. So... Keep your dollars down in the, in the room. And those are interesting rules. The Apostle Paul, though, has his own set of rules for us when it comes to 
church life and relating to one another. And look with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and, and see what he says, beginning in verse 12. He says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Today I want to take these verses and focus on the first two verses that I read. And then when we come again to 1 Thessalonians, we'll look at the closing verses of this letter. But today, just verse 12 and 13. And the focus today on this, you could say, uh, order in the church or church rules is how a church relates to her leaders. How a church relates to her leaders. Now, we are a church, as we say from time to time, is like a river. A lot of people will come here, be here for a while, and then pass on to another place. A lot of that has to do with the college community that we're in. We have a lot of friends and family that will come here to visit friends and family. And there may be some of you in the room today that's just here for a, a weekend visit, and you'll go back to be in a part of a church somewhere else or one day you'll move to another community and so the message today could be helpful to you and how you relate to the leaders in the church that you're a part of in some other place but also a help to us as we relate as a church to the leaders in a church family he says we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you or over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And my argument with you today is this, is that if we will relate to leaders in our church and we will relate to one another in the way that the Apostle Paul's laid out here, the fruit of that will be peace in the church. There will be peace in the body of Christ. There will be peace in the gathering. We know that Jesus ultimately is head of the church. When I think about being pastor here or serving here, the, the thing that I need to remind myself over and over again is the fact that the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ is head of the church. We are 
uh, caretakers. We are stewards of the body of Christ. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, Ephesians 4, 15, and Ephesians 5, 23. All verses in that letter that teach that Jesus is the head of the church. Now, with Jesus being the head of the church, we also have visible leaders within the church. We call them shepherds or pastors or elders. And I use those names as synonyms for one another. In these verses that we're looking at here, there's a three-pronged description of the function of spiritual leaders in the church. Now, it doesn't give a task list or a, 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 a job list of the things that leaders do day by day by day, but it does give a description or the function of how leaders are to operate. And listen again, he says, we ask you brothers, or we ask the brethren, we ask you church family to respect those who labor among you. There are these three functions. The first one is labor. So there are leaders among you. There are those among you whose work is to labor with you and for you. When I think about my role as a pastor, I think about that this, this is a description that's, that's given. What am I to do? Well, how am I to operate as a pastor, a leader of this church? And the very first word the Apostle Paul gives to the church there is this word labor. It is a, it's an interesting word. It's a word that means to toil, it means to strive, it means to struggle. It is the word that when it is used, it is meant to describe someone who toils, strives, and struggles to the point of weariness. And Paul says to the church of Thessalonica to respect those who toil, strive, struggle to the point of weariness among you. Basically what he's describing is is that the role of a spiritual leader in the church is to work hard. To work hard. And it is a word that the Apostle Paul used in other places to describe the work of a farmer. And I love that. Standing before you with a horticulture degree, having grown up in the farming business of plants and turf grass and uh, one of the things that I have to be grateful for is the work ethic that uh, we uh, had growing up on the farm. And the, uh, the, the picture here is that like a hard-working farmer, one who leads the church is to have that kind of uh, work ethic. And I think about the task that uh, a leader would have as a, a pastor or one of our pastors on the staff here at church that think of the work of studying and preaching and visiting and praying, counseling, and leading, guiding, funerals and weddings. Those things, he says, that they are to be done with an effort of hard work. Um, we uh, joke from time to time, and you look at me and you may say, now, Pastor, you know, I wish I had your job one day a week, you gotta love, you gotta love a job like that. And I, I usually pause a little bit when I hear you say that to see if you're smiling when you say that. Um, but uh, when I think back over the 
last few weeks of serving as a pastor here, there's not, um, there's not a, a, a weariness of, of um, disappointment or a weariness of woe. There may be a physical tiredness, but even, uh, I think, two Sunday nights ago, somebody asked me, uh, how, how, was, how was the day? They asked me on Monday, how was the weekend? How was the day? And I would describe it like I would describe it over and over and over again. It's a good tired. It's a good tired. It's a good tired. Well, the description of the function of spiritual leaders is that they are to labor. And number two is that they are to be over, over you. He says, respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. This word over you speaks of some authority. It's a Greek word, proestomai, that means to go first or to preside. It is a picture of going first in an effort to protect and to care for. I think that you would be able to say with uh, great honesty that I've I'm, I'm not one that pulls the authority card on you. And I don't stand before you and say, now listen to me, I'm your boss. And, and that's, that's not the picture, that's not the image that the Apostle Paul gives. In fact, listen to these verses in 1 Peter when it speaks of those who are over you. It speaks to shepherds of the flock. 1 Peter chapter 5 says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a Partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. The ESV I'm reading from here says, uh, not domineering over those in your charge. You may have heard those verses in other translations as being not lording it over the flock. And, and the picture here is, is that there is a role of protection. There's a role of leadership. There's a role of going first with the idea of caring for the body of believers. That's a function of a spiritual leader in the life of the church. One who labors, one who is over, and then number three is one who admonishes. He says, those who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. The word there for admonish is nuatheto. You may have heard somewhere along the way someone refer to a type of counseling called nuthetic counseling. It basically means just taking the word of God and showing how you live life and go about making decisions in your life based on what the Word of God says. And that's the word he uses here for admonish. And he says the role of a leader is to labor, is to be over you, and is to admonish. That means to, re to warn, to reprove, to discipline, to take the Word of God and to apply it in how a person should live. So when I think about those functions of spiritual leaders, I would hope and pray that that's your experience with those who lead and serve you in this church body. I, I want you to 
know lots of information today about those who lead in our church. You may not be aware that our church staff has internal values. We speak from time to time about external values for our church. We already mentioned one of those this morning being the Word of God. We have another value as a church as a whole of generations we speak of. of we speak about uh, uh, relationships and then living on mission. But within our staff, a few years ago, I shared with our team, I said, here's our values internally as a staff. When you live and operate, this is what I'm pushing for. This is what I want. This is what I believe is biblical. So we believe that we have a high calling. And we take that word high, H-I-G-H, and I want you to know we talk over and over again about the values that we have internally, and those, those letters stand for humility integrity, generosity, and hard work. That's, that's how we want to serve our church family, serve with humi humility, putting others over self, serve with integrity, our public life and our private life would match, and serve with generosity, give more than people would expect, and to serve with hard work. Our best is greater than our, what's good. Do your best. Work hard. Now, When he describes the functions of spiritual leaders, he then gives an ask of how to relate to those spiritual leaders. And there are two of those. First, he says to respect those who labor with you, who are over you, and who admonish you. They ask, Paul says, we ask you, brothers, to respect them. To respect means to, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Greek word there that means to know someone, to acknowledge someone. It's a word that is often translated to respect someone. It means that in our view of someone, we know them, we know their, we know their place, and we care, with, care for them in a sense of, they're valuable. Now, I, I gotta just say to you, I'm, I knew when I would get to this message that this would be a little bit of a struggle for me because I feel like in some way um, I'm standing in front of you telling you, I need, this is what I, I need, this is how I need you to treat me. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get to that, not how I need you to treat me, but I wanna say something at the close, but, um, what I, um, when he says to respect those who labor among you, the reality is, is that um, a person who's serving in a role of leadership cannot live with the expectation that they will be respected. But the teaching is is that as you relate to those who do serve you, that you're, you're called to respect them. And so I don't stand in front of you saying, this is what I expect. I stand in front of you to say, this is what God's word teaches. And it is a way for there to be peace in the body when there is 
respect given to those who lead you and who labor among you. The second uh, ask is to esteem them. He says, esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Basically, he's saying to love your leaders. To find ways to practically love your leaders. Respect them and love them. Now, I've said it. It's out there. That's uncomfortable for me. All right? I don't, I don't, maybe I need counseling. I don't know. But I just, I, just I, don't, I don't like talking about that. But here's what I can talk about. Um, I pulled into the parking lot this morning of the 1560 house where my office is. And, and as I was walking into the office, in my heart and mind, I knew this text was coming. And I said, Lord, for 23 years, my experience with my church family has been a body of believers that have respected me as a pastor and has esteemed me highly and have loved me in my work. Thank you, Jesus, for the privilege of having been in that environment. And so when I think about Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica, I feel in some ways like the apostle Paul standing here speaking to you and saying, You've been not saying you've been getting it wrong. I want to say to you, uh, just keep it up. Just, just do it. Just keep relating. One day I'll be gone. One day I won't be your pastor. And somebody else will be in this role. And it will be a privilege for them to serve here. It will be a privilege for them to serve here if you will continue to respect and to love and esteem those who labor hard among you as your shepherd. Um, when I first came here, the first few weeks I was here, I was here on a Wednesday night. I'm just walking around. Uh, Awana was going on. On Monday, I get a call in my office, and it's a lady in our church, and she said, uh, hey, Pastor Carlos, I, I was just thinking I wanted to give you a call and she said, I was watching you walk through the lobby of the sanctuary um, last night. And that freaked me out, first of all, just knowing that somebody was watching me. And, and, uh, and I wonder where this was going. And then she said, and I just wanted to call. And, and I was sitting there watching you walk through the lobby of the sanctuary. And I thought to myself, and I wanted to call and tell you, I think I'm going to like you. And I remember thinking, you had to decide? I mean, it, it, I mean like, there, it was like in the balance. We were weighing in the balance here, whether or not. And, um, and it's it just, I want you to know that my, my experience has been, thank you. But to keep it up, to love your leaders, to esteem them, to value them. One of the great privileges of my life was to see how my parents related to their pastors and uh, it, it it taught me the the value it made it easy for me to become a pastor because of the way that I saw my family value pastors and uh, you can be that same for your children now I want you to I want you to know your leaders okay I want you to know those who serve among you and today 
when I speak of those who lead and serve among us, I'm speaking specifically of our pastors, of our church leadership team, and of our deacons. And, and I want to just say some things that show you some things that will help you know them better. And uh, so these next 15 minutes or so is going to be just uh, information. I, I want you to know some things about our pastors. One is, is that you know that we have some transition coming for uh, our staff in that as we plant the Five Points Church in uh, Athens, Joel Shinpo, our executive pastor, been with us for 15 years will be going to lead that church to be the pastor of that church there'll be an autonomous church operating uh, and so we're uh, excited for Joel and Jennifer we we will grieve that just because of the loss and it's kind of a, just the miss of the everyday in our relationship right here as we function as a church uh, you've heard that you know about that that will happen January 1 well who becomes our executive pastor following Joel? We've been in that search for a number of months. And I'm excited to announce to you today that uh, a guy by the name of Justin Hester will be joining our church staff come January 1 as our new executive pastor. I have a picture I want you to see of his family. You see uh, Justin Hester here on the right of the screen. And then you see his wife, Jonna, beside him. He has two daughters and his son holding his grandson with his wife there. Justin Hester is a, uh, about a 25-year career guy with a ministry called Navigators. He serves uh, out west right now as a regional leader for Navigators. They live in uh, Colorado Springs. Their ground has two or three inches of snow on it this morning, and uh, they won't get that here. Uh, but they know Athens. They know this area. They spent 2010 to 2014 in the Athens area, and um, this, uh, he's going to be on our property next Sunday. You'll see him out in the commons in the lobby. It'll be a chance to know him, meet him. He's coming in for a week of intensive training, and then he starts with us. January 1st and so I want you to know this name Justin Hester and his wife Jonna we have other pastors that serve on our team and I want you to see their pictures you certainly can find their pictures on our staff page but these are the guys that serve our our church in different roles you see Andrew Barnes just working from left to right works as our next gen pastor Scott Carson as our adult pastor John Chanel is our college pastor. Taylor Krauss works with our students as a pastor. Lawton Jones works as community outreach and development. That's me and then Joel, our executive pastor, and Robbie Wolfel, who serves as our missions pastor. Those guys are those who labor hard among you as leaders in our church. And then we have our church leadership team. I want you to see their pictures. These, uh, these guys serve as uh, a spiritual leadership team they come alongside our staff and our pastors particularly and they give leadership to our church family I thought it would be healthy for us for me to just read exactly from our constitution what their responsibilities are uh, this team provides oversight guidance wisdom and counsel to the pastoral staff 
They provide oversight and guidance and wisdom and counsel in matters of vision, in matters of stewardship, in operational matters such as policies and procedures and facilities, in church character matters such as uh, discipline issues or mediation or reconciliation, and in doctrinal matters such as biblical interpretation. They serve as uh, uh, guardians of sound doctrine for our church. And you see at the top there, left to right, Ralph Moore, and then Andy Bars, uh, Jason Matthews, and at the bottom, Dave Stearns, and then Mike Kane, and David Schumann. Our church leadership team serves three-year terms, and then they can also be elected to serve a second three-year term. At our church conference in December, uh, you will uh, be given the names of two people to uh, vote on to serve and join this team. And that's uh, because one, Ralph Moore, is rotating off and he has completed serving six years on our church leadership team. We'll recommend a new person, a new name there to serve on this team. Jason Matthews, far right top, has completed three years and he'll be recommended again to serve a second three-year term. And so uh, you'll have opportunity to vote on them come the, first, uh, the, the second Sunday night of December. Now I want you to see our, our deacons. There are 12 of these men that serve our church family. They serve in a practical role of ministry. For the easiest way to describe what our deacons do is that they put their willingness to serve in any way needed on the table. And they said, so we stand on call, ready to meet any needs that our church family has. When I think of our deacons, I think of them as being ambassadors of peace. These 12 men serve among our church family with lots of different relationships. And as they go into our church family with practical tasks, but also as ambassadors to see, hey, where are their needs? Where are their things that need to be clarified? Where are their questions that need to be answered how how can we help the church body relate to one another in a spirit of peace and um, those 12 uh, we I'm going to try Scott Bates Travis Moore Tony McClung Alan Sigler then the middle you got Eric Watson and then Jason Hill Ron Wurtson and here you have coach John Barnett and then uh, here you have um, Kendall Carroll and then uh, you have John, uh, Allen, Rob Murray, and Matt Tingle. Whew. All right, okay. <laughs> you want to know? You want to know your warriors that you got with you? Um, and so I, I, I put these deacons before you because we're at a time now of nominating new people. Four of these guys will rotate off, and you can. Um, as you've been seeing in the newsletter, there are opportunities for you to nominate men that you believe meet the spiritual qualifications of deacons. And uh, you can do that. Um, do it today. Just, uh, we, we want those nominations to be in by Wednesday. And the, you do that by going to watkinsville.org slash deacon nominations. And it's a chance for you to be a part of selecting those that will serve and lead. And then on that second Sunday night of December, those names will be put before us in church conference. 
to be voted on and affirmed as leaders in our church. Now, having said this about our leaders, it's, it's structure, it's order, and there's a reason for this. One reason is for peace, peace in the church family. And then here's the second reason. When you look at the book of Acts and you see the first deacons that were selected, those deacons functioned to bring peace among the widows who were in conflict. And it said that when they brought peace among the widows that were in conflict, something happened. Do you remember what it was? It says the church grew. The kingdom advanced people were saved and the word was proclaimed boldly the goal is not peace as an end in itself the goal is peace among believers so that the kingdom of God can advance so that more and more people can come to know Jesus and I want to exhort you as a church specifically today to keep relating well to your leaders and it will allow us to be in the best position to see more and more people come to know Christ. And that will be a beautiful, beautiful sight. Now, I want to ask today for you to care for these people that I've put in front of you on the screen by praying for them. I want to ask our pastors that are in the room to come and just stand across the front right here. I want to ask any of our current church leadership team members to come and stand right here in front of me and then I want to ask any current deacons that are in the room to come and stand here to my right please make your way um, with a good pace right now into this room uh, to this spot church leadership team right here in front of you pastors there will be a different number in the services as we go across the day more at certain hours than other hours. Now, I know this is prompted, but I also I want you to I want you to show your appreciation to these guys right now. Would you do that? Just show your appreciation to them. Amen. Amen. Now listen, what you're doing right now, I know by testimony, I know by relationship that every one of these guys are extremely uncomfortable with this right now. There is no desire for um, praise for themselves, and that's not guys that's not what this is this is a church family saying to you thank you for serving it's them saying we need you to lead we need you to walk in humility with integrity working hard being generous with your life and um, y'all have a visual looking out and y'all have a visual looking this way and would you right now just lift prayers in this room aloud for these people that are standing in front of you just let there be a 
as best we can do, a roar of prayers right now for these that are standing here. Just lift your prayers to the Lord. Father, it is incredibly encouraging to me to stand behind these men this morning, knowing who they are, how they live, knowing that they love you and they love this church. And Lord, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you for those that you have assembled together in our church family to labor to be over us, Lord, to admonish. I think of their role of protection. I think of their role of going first. I think of their role of setting an example. I think of their role of honoring you with their life and serving as stewards of this church body. And together in the name of Jesus, all of us ask you, God, by the power of your spirit, that you would protect them, that you would guard them. Lord, I pray that in this experience of this morning would bring revival in their hearts, encouragement to their hearts, Lord, a fire in their hearts to serve with greater devotion and greater passion, Lord, to continue to walk in humility and integrity. And Lord, we're praying as members of your body, King Jesus, you're the head. And would you help us to be a church of peace, in peace, uh, uh, protect the bond of unity among us. Let there be healthy, God-honoring relationships between a church, the church brethren and the church's leaders. We don't take that lightly. And so would you please uh, give victory over and over and over again in that. And Lord, as there is a need along the way for people from this congregation to step into these roles of service and leadership. I pray you would raise up God the leaders among us, Lord, that would be ready when called upon to continue to lead and serve. Lord, through all of this, would you let the kingdom advance? Would you let many souls come to know Christ? And uh, we look forward to what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, all God's people together said, Amen. Amen.